This episode is brought to you by Habit Aware. If you follow me on social media, you have seen me with my keen too in lilac. I love it. And I love that it is a tool created for BFRBs by someone who has a BFRB. My Keen 2 brings awareness to my trichotillomania by giving my wrist a gentle hug or vibration when I'm doing the scanning behavior. Bring awareness into your life by visiting barbaralally.com slash habit aware. Hi, my name's Andrew. I am a licensed therapist. I My BFRB is skin picking. I first started skin picking when I was a lifeguard. Um, I was 16. There was I remember it really clearly. There was a spot on my knee and I'm like... I'm bored. There wasn't a lot going on. So I just decided that looks good. Let's pick at it. And it it just kind of snowballed from there for me. When did you realize that, hey, this is something that I can't really control. I keep going back to it. I can't stop. I would say I was at community college when I first noticed, like I didn't really have a label for it. I just knew that I picked, you know, my parents would say things like, oh, just sit on your hands, like stop picking it yourself. Did it kind of impulsively, which goes with what I am and who I am. And then I went to this therapist in community college and they labeled it as dermatillomania. And that's the first time I really associated it as something different. I never at any point was like, oh, this is something I'm okay with. This is good. I enjoy this. It was just kind of always something I did. I always thought, you know, the pimple popping sensation was always enjoyable to me, but it always went a step too far. When you found out there was a name for it, did you feel a sense of relief? Like, oh, this is an actual thing? Or was it the opposite? I kind of felt a little bit of a relief sense. It was it wasn't like a big relief. It was more just kind of the sense of, you know, oh, I guess this is something different, you know. And for the longest time, like I just said, yeah, I have dermatillomania and ADHD. But as I got older, you know, because there, there's a few reasons I thought I did it as I've gotten older. You know, I thought it was because it was just from medication side effects. I thought it was just because of ADHD. So it never really felt to me like it was something different, but it always felt like it was just a part of who I was. I've never felt too much shame, too much. There's always a little, but never felt too much shame around my mental health. But that one was just a little different, I guess. When you were diagnosed from your therapist, did they give you any strategies to help maybe lessen the picking? It weren't great. They said, take a rubber band and snap it on your wrist. And I hated that. It did not work for me. I was like, yeah, this hurts. And I don't want to keep doing this. I tried. I tried for a while, but I, you know, with ADHD, I just need some novelty. And the novelty of that, plus the pain associated with that, didn't really reinforce it enough. And I'd always go through phases with it, like sometimes are worse than others. But like that never helped. I There's never been a time since I've had it where I've gone completely without it, not for an extended period of time. 
I too was given the advice of snapping the rubber band. And I think it's because they associated our BFRBs with self-harm. Did they misdiagnose you too? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they called it self-harm. Well, maybe. Well, because, yeah, the idea of snapping your wrist. And then, you know, there was a certain point. Yes. Yes, I did. I did think it was self-injurious at a certain point. But I didn't think, which never made sense to me. Because it's always been impulsive driven because I get when I get anxious or restless or fidgety, it's more of a stim for me. So I've I've tried to get better at being more fidgety. But at the time, that just never resonated with me, like the idea of that. And I tried, I think, to raise awareness about it and like to untumbler when that was still a thing. But I never really identified it as self-interest yes i have depression yes i've had suicidal ideation but i never thought of it as self-interest so that's always such a weird thought to me yeah i i feel the same way they would describe things to me that would be like relating to self-harm and i would look and say well wait a minute that that doesn't really match like how i feel when i am doing these things right yeah exactly it's like the way I've always understood it and the way I've internalized it is people do it for so many different reasons. And as I've gotten older, of course, as I've gotten education as a therapist, I've learned a lot more about it too through self-study, through research. And it's like, it's either, it's more anxiety driven. It's more nervousness driven. It's more impulsive driven. Could there be a self-harm component? Always, but it's not as common as they were treating it especially back when I was younger. Like this is 2010, 2011, when I went to, and granted this came from the school's therapist, not a like seasoned therapist. It was a school therapist that told me this. So I'm sure it's just new. It was new at the time. We didn't really knew to being recognized as something. So we didn't really do anything with it other than just say, yeah, this is what we know. So why don't you do this? Like, and in hindsight, isn't it so silly to think we told people to snap a rubber band on their wrist? Cause that's going to help. Like, yeah, hurt yourself. That's great. <laughs> like, blows my mind. Yeah. And also around that same time, I think we're about the same age. It was a lot of shaming things out of people. Like the whole conversation wasn't like, oh, it's not your fault. You're doing your best. It was like, you look ugly and you better try harder. And that was really yeah. hard to get over. Yeah, and I always, sure, as like a man, assigned male at birth versus assigned female at birth, there's two very different experiences, right? Like, yeah, I was super self-conscious about it. I still am about like, oh, God, like I'll be filming content and I'll look on my face. I'm like, oh, great, there's another spot. Am I going to put a filter on? And for a while when I was starting content creating, I did because I was so embarrassed. I'm like, this is gross and weird looking. And I've slowly... You know, as I've seen it more accepted within our own community, I've slowly gotten more comfortable just being like, yeah, it's bad. Like when I first started, I had this really bad spot on my nose. Like when I first was getting into content creating and I tried filters, I tried like I even took some of my wife's makeup because I'm like, I, I don't I don't like this. It makes me feel like visibly scarred. And oh, have you ever had kids call you out on it? I had a student once who called me out. Yes. Oh, kids. That's the worst. Like, 
I was at work and I had this patient's kid is like, hey, what's wrong with your face? Oh, no, the worst was I got pulled over and this officer thought it was track marks. And I'm like, that was the first time I had to be like, and it was so uncomfortable. Like I felt my soul leave my body and I'm like, no, I, I just pick, it's just picking. <laughs> like I, I thought I was about to get searched for drugs, but the audacity to just assume that, wow. Yeah. It's, you know, and I haven't really thought about it as much, you know, cause it's always been, I have ADHD. That's my identity. That's my persona. That's who I am. But picking has just, just been kind of this thing that I did too. But yeah, oh my God, it's something. Yeah, and I think a lot of people in the BFRB community growing up, we are faced with little kids who, you know, we're all little kids at the time, but they're saying, what's wrong? Why is this happening? And so now not only am I trying to stop this behavior, I'm now making up lies to explain why I don't have any eyebrows. I'm paranoid because I'm making sure none of the kids are looking at me in a certain way. Did you feel that that heaviness too when you were little and you're picking? Oh, yeah. Because like since my picking started when I was about 16, I definitely felt that. The worst is when I felt like getting called out by kids. You know what I mean? Because like when kids say something... Kids can't filter themselves. So in my head, it sounded like, well, this is this is what adults are thinking, but have too much social grace to say something. And I always have, like, I'm very self-conscious about how I'm perceived. Like, that's part of my ADHD. But then to be perceived as disfigured or as scarred or as different, it always made me feel super, like, self-conscious did I think about it every moment no but, but like if I look like I was trying to take some headshots for my Instagram and I look at the picture and I get that discomfort of like mm, they're gonna know that's what shows up it's it's a good enough picture but nope it's that spot on my forehead that I can't leave alone that's what's noticeable to me and that's where the self-consciousness always like you know reinforced and like you said it's it's what you feel like other people are noticing about you. It just makes you kind of anxious, really discomfortable. Have there ever been moments where you have not gone to an event or not done something because of your BFRB? I wouldn't say I haven't gone, not gone anywhere, but I definitely haven't like shared a picture or like shared a post. There's been times I'll record something and then I'll see something look so noticeable on my face I'll be like, uh, you know what? Scrap it. It might have been the best recording I've done, but scrap it. I have the unfortunate issue where I will pick anywhere without thinking. That's kind of the impulsivity of it for me. It's never been like to the point where it's paralyzing me, right? It's never been something where I've like stopped everything I'm doing because, oh, yep, there I go pick again. But it is something I'm just acutely self-conscious about and will try my best to hide it or mask it or not make it as noticeable. I've gotten better about it as I've gotten, you know, more open with who I am, especially being a content creator. But like, it's it's different. It's definitely a different experience. Have you ever had another BFRB? I mean, I bite my nails. I never thought I did. But then I thought more about it. I'm like, well, I also bite pick my nose. Like, guess that's it. And that one because 
it's funny. There's another content creator. Her name's Cassie. She does. She has Audie HD. She posts great content. And I posted this video where I'm talking about my spot on my nose. And she's like, oh, I'm a nose picker, too. And I'm like, oh, that's the nose picking you meant. I, I meant. But I guess that, too. Yeah, I always nail bite. I always have picked my nose. And that one, I'm probably the nose picking is like, oh, God, I'm a 32 year old man picking it, picking boogers like th to the point where I'll have nosebleeds. So, yes, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I picked it so much. It, it keeps having nosebleeds. And I'm like, eh, it's, I hate the nosebleeds. They bother me, but I still pick my nose. Or the worst is when I'll get pimples inside my nostril, like in it. And not only do they hurt, but I want to make them go away. And so it's kind of a double whammy. And then I get nasally, I get my nose gets, but nothing stops me. Like I, it just happens. So yeah, I think so. Yeah, me too. I even remember, I mean, trichotillomania was my main one. That was the most obvious, but I remember trying to bite my nails because I knew other people that did and it never stuck. I don't know why, but I tried really hard. And then I would also chew my top lip a little bit. And so like this little part right here would come off, like it would just keep coming okay. off. Like I would, and I thought, you know, I learned later, oh yeah, that's another BFRB. So when I wasn't pulling my hair, I was still doing these behaviors, just not as, uh, as intensely as my hair. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so interesting about it, you know, I like the more I'm learning, the more I'm finding it's not just one, it's one and it's it's usually like, but it's ones that you don't even think are BFRBs. And what really caught me off guard was I didn't focus on it as much as my psychiatrist did, which was like, oh, because like I said, yeah, I pick my skin, but like, and so then she completely shifted my antidepressant to also have an effect on my picking. And then she's recommended N-acetylcysteine, which I just started. That's how stubborn I've been. But yeah, like, I think it's so interesting to see that it's not just one, it's one and. Like you said, with the lip biting or my nose picking, but I bite my nails too. And I, again, have never thought about that in a negative way. Like, I, those are ones I'm like, yeah, it's gross. It's gross. I'm a, I'm a grown man that has a child's habits. And that's what's always been kind of what's been the thought for me, right? Like, oh, you're a 32 year old guy and you're picking at your nose or, oh, you're a 32 year old guy and you're sitting here biting your nails in public or like the to be super gross. I'll take a fingernail and I'll clean out my wedding ring with it. Like I'll bite the nail and then I'll use it to like clean out my wedding ring because it's an imperfection thing, I think, because I've what I've learned, and I'm sure you're aware of this, we don't like imperfections and we want to overcorrect. We overcorrect them with these behaviors. And so, ah, you know, there's some dirt in here. I need it. I need it. I need something to do it. Let's bite a nail off. That makes the most sense. Not go grab something like a fork or something. Nope. Just bite your nail off. That makes more sense. The holiday season is underway, and what better gift to give than the gift of awareness? Whether you are gifting the Keen 2 to yourself or to someone you love, you will be amazed by all the Keen 2 and Habit Aware can do for you. Learn more by visiting barbaralally.com slash Habit Aware.
when you were growing up and you were open about it, you mentioned going on Tumblr and like sharing things. Did you find anyone in your close circle of friends or close community that also was picking? Not that I knew of because I was more with random people on there. I never really met anyone who also did it. Mostly I've seen it on TikTok. Like the more I've been posting in the ADHD community, I've had a lot of my followers other content creators because as you know it's very very common with ADHD not only is it a medication side effect but it's also a fidget and a stim that we do and I've learned it as a therapist I talk to a lot of guys pulling at their beard picking at their beard now do I know people who do that absolutely have I asked them or gotten to the point where I've said oh you do that as a like impulsive behavior can you help that no I already get asked enough if people think I know what they're thinking and I don't need to worsen it. Uh, <laughs> have you had anyone as you've done this that you've come across that you've found to be like that? Yeah. So when I was st first started being open about it, I had my fiance's best friend's wife, her people in her family. So she did it. She came on the podcast and her brother does it as well. He, he pulls his eyelashes out. But as I've opened up more and more, I will meet people, not necessarily like my best friend, but like my best friends, other brand new friends. I talk about mm -hmm. it and they say, you know what I did too, or I did before. And if they, I love to ask, like, if they say, yeah, I used to do that. And I said, well, what do you do now? You know, maybe they nail bite instead, or maybe they play with their dog's fur. That's really coarse. Like they do something else. So it's always interesting for me to kind of say, well, wait, you used to do it. Like, what do you do now? Yeah, and that's interesting because are you still are you still actively going through it? Do you still struggle with it? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I the only thing that I don't do as much is my eyebrows. Like I know they're very thin looking right now. I just actually don't touch them. They just stay like that. But I pull my eyelashes still all the time. And I'm like missing quite a few. I'll get I can get a little closer so you can see. I wouldn't even have noticed. I still don't notice. And as a guy, we don't notice. Yeah, it's that shift of, well, when I was younger, I felt like everybody noticed. And was it because I was cowering away from people's glances? And so it kind of brought the attention to my face where I'm kind of avoiding eye contact. And now I just look at people and I'm like, hello, you know, I'm just myself with no eyelashes and people either don't seem to notice or they are grownups and polite enough to not say anything. Right. And that's, and I wonder that too, right? Because for me, it's sometimes it's like, well, they already are noticing. Why not just go all in? That's kind of been the the destructive side of it. Because I'm like, usually I, I don't know if it's been this way for you. I'm sure you can relate, but it's around events and going to weddings. I know, okay, I have, I'm going to be in a friend's wedding at the end of December. Like, so I know. I have at least a couple weeks before I got to leave everything up here in on here alone. You can see on almost on this finger where spots were and like that's where spots come back up. I'll get these little pimples that reemerge on my finger. I'll spend days. I'll just be it's almost anxiety. Like it's almost like an addiction. I look at it. I'm like, I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to touch it. It's there. I'm not going to touch it. I can get a couple days and then it's like, you know what? F it, I'm going to do it. And then it, it's that, right? Because then it's like, I tell myself, well, people are going to notice whatever they're going to notice. Oh, well. 
But then I go back and look at those pictures and I'm like, the shame sets in and the embarrassment. And it's like, I don't want to even look at myself. Like the, the dysmorphia kind of sets in. So when you decided to be more open about your BFRB and, and talk about it, create content, tell me kind of that mindset behind that. Were you always, I know you mentioned Tumblr, were you always open or did you get more and more open later? No, I was not always open. Tumblr, I was pretty anonymous. I It was around when those wristbands were popular. So I was thinking of doing something with those like rubber wristbands at that time. It was one of those ideas that I had, but never went anywhere. It was more one of those thoughts. But yeah, what made me want to be open about it was as I'm being vulnerable as a therapist, you know, I'm noticing that it's important. People can respond to our lived experiences. If we have a platform to share our experiences and make people feel less seen like we were, I wanted to do that. Like, I didn't want people to feel alone in what they're going through, alone in their struggles. And I found a lot of people resonate with what I say. And so that validated it for me, you know, because when I did it at first, it was like, it was maybe a gimmick, maybe like, you know, okay, no more gimmicks. And I snapped and turned off the filter. And then I said, this is what I have. And then I got response to it. I think it helped to really, you know, open up about it and just be honest and vulnerable for me because I wanted to help other people. And the decision to become a therapist, was that something you always wanted to be or did maybe the you know, you with your BFRB and ADHD that maybe led you to it? Yeah. So a lot of my own struggles is what, so by the time I noticed I had a BFRB, I was already on this path of becoming a therapist, but it was really ADHD driven. But becoming a therapist to me was always, I struggled as a kid. I felt alone in what I did. And, you know, even thinking back on my BFRB, it it can, it felt as well as, as much as an isolating experience as anything else. So to be a therapist for me really meant that I didn't want people to feel alone. Like I had a session and the person I was talking to, he just cried and he's like, you understand it. You can relate. And I'm really excited to work with you because of that, because he he had worked with therapists who said, well, you can just get over your depression. You don't have to be depressed if you don't want to be. And it's like, that's the kind of mentality that I wanted to challenge. And it's the same thing with, with picking, right? Because a lot of therapists will say, well, okay, that's, that's no, don't do that. Like, how dare you? I wanted to be the therapist that validated the experience and gave people the support and the understanding and the in the validation to be like, yes, you're doing this. So how do we get you to a place where you want to be with it? Not where I want you to be with it, but where you want to be with it. Because that's what I've always wanted. I don't want people to say, well, do this because I want you to. Do this because you want to, and I will help you with what I know. As an example, I posted a new intervention that's been coming out about how to treat body-focused repetitive behaviors. It's, it's relatively new. But I think it has a lot of promise and hopefully potential. I'm going to start trying it myself eventually. But I think it can be helpful just to observe yourself and then replace it with other. That's why I fidget, like with other things that help keep your hands busy or keep you feel like you have a little more control over it. Yeah, and I think that's great because, you know, when we were growing up, we are the same age. Uh, When we were growing up, (laughs) it's either... 
shamed out of us or, you know, the focus is, I don't want to think about this at all. I want to ignore this. I hope it doesn't exist anymore. I want it to stop. So I wasn't able to kind of understand what my trichotillomania was telling me or maybe what I could learn about when it comes and all, you know, I couldn't, I was just ignoring it. And so I couldn't figure out anything to actually help me. But now that I'm a grown up and I'm like, oh, I understand that if I do this, then I'm more likely to pull. Well, now I'm having better success instead of just, I hate it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, there was so much stigma when we were growing up around mental health, like at least for my ADHD, especially, or like we had this kid in my school, he really had a bad hair pulling problem. But then everyone was like, oh, he's so weird. Oh, he's got bald patches. Why won't he? Those kind of things, right? So I grew up thinking, and this was junior high, early junior high. It's like, oh, you know, why am I going to do it? That's weird. That's not me. I'm not that. And then it took a while to get to a place where I'm like, okay, we understand this. We accept this. We experience this openly and genuinely, not with the shame and stigma that was really just in the early stages of accepting mental health in general. Yeah, we we grew up in a, a pretty rough time because if you ever see the TikTok clips of interviewers with celebrities, everybody was nasty. Like we really oh. were going through it. Yeah, like I always remember. So I had this school social worker and she knew I had ADHD. So in class, she was talking to the class about ADHD. She tells the class, oh, hey, you've got ADD. You can explain to the class what it's like, right? It's like the audacity. And I had a therapist say, oh, you're suicidal. Here, sign this contract and say you're never going to do it again. Like, that's going to help. Like, it's just right. Right. Mental health was so good. Intentions went in such terrible directions. We were start and mental health has got a nasty history, but we're trying to do better. And that's why I don't want to be a clinician that ignores that past. I want to help use that past to better us going forward. What do you wish people who don't have BFRBs? So what do you wish that people knew about them? Jeez. I wish I could stop. <laughs> like, I wish it was just as easy as saying, oh, sit on your hands. Like, I hate it. I, the more you tell me not to do it, the more I want to do it. There was a study I read in psychology. And it's like, they told people, okay, we're going to talk about this white elephant. There's this white elephant, but you can't think about it. Guess what they think about? The white elephant. So, of course, you tell me not to do something. I'm a little I'm a little oppositional, but I'm also like, now that's all that's on my mind. Don't do this thing. Telling me not to do it, telling me to sit on my hands, as much as you don't want me to do it, I don't want to do it either. And so know that I I think I wish people knew that Number one, I want to stop. And number two, I am not the only person that's doing this. It is more common. And there's a chance you might have it too. I just wish people knew how common certain repetitive behaviors were and how much they're linked to it. I was looking at the ICD-10. Some of them aren't even recognized as billable interventions. Like the nail biting isn't in there is an ICD-10 code. So like, I think we need to spread, it needs to be more openly talked about and not just dismissed as this gross thing that people do. It's human and it's real. Have you ever watched a movie or a TV show or read a book that had a character with a BFRB? It was on The Boys. 
she pulls her hair and then she takes off the wig and she's got like all these bald patches. But it's talked in a stigmatized way, not an accepting way. It's like, oh, look at her. She's so freaking stressed that she's pulled all her hair out. So what would your advice be for someone who wants to be more open about their BFRB, but they're just a little bit nervous? I I tell this to anyone. We are our own worst critics. The harshest judgments we have come from ourselves. I was literally talking to someone about this today. We will say worse things than anyone ever can say to us, to ourselves, especially around our BFRBs, right? So know that as you're as you open up to people about it not only are you not going to be as harshly seen as you feel like you are but you're going to find other people who you can connect to who you can relate to and who understand you that was the biggest surprise for me as i've opened up is how much more common it is than i thought i've talked to people i've met people i've known it exists but i didn't really know how much it truly existed until i started talking about it And that made me feel validated and seen. It helps me to know that it's okay. If I struggle some days, if I have a hard day, if I got a spot on my face, so be it. I'm going to notice it more and judge it more than anyone else ever will. And that's the same for you. People might feel like, okay, and it doesn't invalidate that experience of being perceived. But what you perceive of yourself is the harshest thing you can perceive. So just try it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. For the listeners, where can we find you? How can we find you? Yeah. So (laughs) I've never plugged my content before. So I'm on TikTok. My handle is at fishlcsw. My username is andrewlcswadhdtherapist. I'm also on Instagram at neurospicy underscore counseling. It's a new page, but by the time you're seeing this, it should be pretty built up. So I hope to see you on both of those platforms. And is there anything that you would like to say as we kind of wrap up the episode to the BFRB community? I've been here a long time. I've seen a lot of different things. And whether you're younger and you've just found out you had it or you're older and you just realize, oh, my God, this is what I did. You're not alone. And these experiences feel very isolating because of how vulnerable they make you feel. But there's people out there who care. There's people out there who see you and will always support and validate you. And it's content like this that reminds me that it's okay to be open about who you are. And I wish you the best on your journey. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trick Talks. Did you know that I offer a Trichotillomania online course? My course is called Sharing Our Stories. In it, we do a deep dive into your relationship with trichotillomania by using my guided journal, My Trickster Diaries, as our workbook. We also complete empowering activities and have a bi-weekly support group so that you can meet others in the community. As a gift to you, please use promo code TRICKTALKS25 to receive 25% off the five-session package. You can access this promotion at barbaralley.com. Thank you.